Well, everyone, we've been listening to Jude and Micah this morning. Can you give them a warm round of applause for the music they've been giving us? Well, good morning and welcome again to the Getaway Retreat. I hope you've been enjoying the week. It's been fantastic. Uh, I want to see how good your memories have been. We've covered quite a broad range of topics through the week and I'm interested to see how much you've, re how much you've retained. Uh, a little bit of a spot quiz here. Now, uh, you might remember on Monday, and as I'm talking, if you can find your way to your, to your seat, uh, that'd be great. Grab those cups of tea and coffee. Uh, now, you might remember on Monday we did an interview with a, a lady who has a son with autism and she mentioned that there are three areas of development that are affected in children with autism. Can anyone tell me one area of development? I have a hand down the front here. Communication. That's correct. Very good. Good listening. Okay, now, uh, uh, on Wednesday we heard about some of the benefits of reading aloud with our kids. Can anyone remember one of the benefits of reading aloud with our kids. I can see a hand way up the back. Oh, it extends their vocabulary. Very good. Vocabulary is a big word, isn't it? <laughs> That's good. Uh, and, uh, and also on Wednesday we heard about uh, uh, friendship, the idea of friendship, and uh, our speaker Mark referred to a movie, I think in the 80s, Stand By Me, and he mentioned three qualities of friendship that were portrayed in that movie. Can anyone remember one of the three qualities of friendship in that movie? Ooh, tricky. Oh, I see a hand. Yeah, a commitment to be there no matter what. Excellent. And then I hear yesterday, I'm afraid I wasn't here, but I hear yesterday there was a pretty steamy talk in the morning about teens and sex. Sounds to me like there were lots of take-home messages from that. Uh, here's a question. What do you do if your daughter, and this is going to be relevant for me because I have two daughters, they're way off, I hope, this situation. Uh, what do you do if your daughter brings home the wrong kind of guy? Oh, here's a question. Here's an answer. Have to remain neutral. That sounds like terrible advice to me. I thought it, sure it'd have something to do with gun control and that'd be the approach to take. Uh, well, there's been, there's been lots of highlights this week, so I hope you've been enjoying it uh, and uh, uh, make the most of our morning together. Now, uh, can I give you a reminder about your mobile phones, please? Uh, while we're listening to our talkers, on the one hand, we don't want... Uh, to be interrupted by our phone, so if you could switch them to silent. But on the other hand, uh, if you've got kids, we do want to be, uh, want you to be contactable, so can you please have them say on your table so that you can see them. Now, a bit later on this morning, we're going to be dealing with the nature versus nurture debate, uh, and particularly how much do our genes shape who we are. Uh, but first up this morning, we're particularly, we're going to meet a person who is involved in a, a small and very strict religious group um, and find out more about her experiences of being involved in that group and also of uh, coming out of that group. So can you please welcome uh, Jenny Burrell as she comes up to speak to us about that.
Now, Jenny, we're going to get ourselves comfortable. Terrific. Okay. All right. Comfortable? I wouldn't say comfortable, but yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Jenny, on a scale of uh, zero to ten, zero is no nerves at all, um, ten is absolute blind panic. Where, what number are you on? Eleven. Eleven, okay. <laughs> well, I'm only on nine, so... What, well, average that's out? Very, that's very short. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now you've got some notes there, and gee, so do I, so, so we're in good company with each other. Yeah, thank you. So I hope during the um, course of this you don't mind me referring to my notes, because, um, yeah, there'll probably be some mind blank occasions, so, yep. yeah. Well, if you don't mind me referring to mine... That's fine. I don't mind you referring to that's yours. Fine. Yep, 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 good. Just keep the microphone up close yep. to your mouth. That's great. Now, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been on the Central Coast? Um, I've been on the Central Coast for about 24 years. Um, yeah, I, I'm from the country, further out the country. Mark lived down this way, so, yeah, got married and yeah, came to the coast 24 years ago. Okay, yeah. What part of the country did you grow up in? Uh, Nitari, um, yeah, dairy, okay. dairy farm. Yeah, okay, so right, there. yep. And, uh, uh, and tell us about your family. Okay, we have two children. Um, obviously, Mark, my husband, sitting over there. Um, two children, Hannah, she um, is about to get married in five weeks, so she'll be leaving the nest. Um, and Sam, he's just about, yeah, he's starting year 12. Okay, so Hannah's about to get married. Mm. Did she bring home the wrong sort of guy? Eventually, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We won't go to things before that, but yeah. For sure, yep. <laughs> and uh, uh, how are the stress levels leading up to the wedding? Um, my stress levels are pretty high. Hannah's are very relaxed because she's not as... Well, yeah, she leaves everything to the last minute, whereas I tend to be more of an organised person, so... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so hers are fine, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, uh, well, we're talking this morning about your experiences being part of a religious sect, a, a, mm -hmm. a small, closed religious group. Uh, it's perhaps worth explaining at the outset, what do we mean by that phrase, religious sect? How's a sect different to any other religious group? Yeah, I guess the way, um, the things that come to mind when I think of a religious sect is um, a group that has a lot of mind control, a lot of rules and regulations, and basically, because of that, there's a lot of guilt, a lot of fear, um, that you've got to keep to that and um, w with what I experienced anyway in our group, um, you know, if you didn't do that, well, you were basically going to hell. So it was, you know, keeping to those rules and regulation was just a massive thing and it becomes, yeah, controlling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, we're going to find out more about what that was for you as we talk. Uh, so, well, tell us about the group you're involved in. Okay, so... They basically started off in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, they deny this. Um, they believe that they go right back to Jesus' time, but we've actually, you know, we've done research and there's actually um, newspaper articles that prove that they did actually kick off then. They don't have any name. They believe that uh, they're just following Jesus, so there's no name. They um, believe that they're the only people who will be with God in the end and yeah there's a lot of 
rules and regulations attached and they're basically quite, you know, separated from yeah, modern society. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so how did you become involved in this group? I was born to parents who were second generation members, yeah. And Mark's family the same. Yeah, yeah okay. So both grew mm. up in it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how large was the group? Um, so probably in New South Wales you'd be looking at about 2,000 people. Here on the coast probably only about probably 100. Yep. Yeah. Is it particularly a group in Australia or is it...? No, uh, it's worldwide. Yep. Yeah. So it actually started in Ireland, that's where it initiated from. Okay. And yeah, yep. but no, there is, yeah, it is worldwide. All right. Mm. And did you see any change in its size during the time that you were involved? Not really. Um, I mean, most people that, you know, would come into the group were usually teenagers and that of group members. So then they would become members. So, I mean, there yep. may have been you know, occasional other people, but, yeah, it was probably stayed about the same. So, by and large, families who'd been involved yeah. and yeah. going from there. Okay. Yeah. How, how was it organised? What sort of leaders were there? Um, okay, so there's a head preacher in each state... Um, and then so people, like young people in their late teens, early 20s, they might choose to become a preacher as well. So then two preachers then um, go out in pairs, like, um, you know, two males, two females. But I guess the thing to um, emphasise is when they choose to become a preacher, they give up everything. So if they've got their own home, you know, they've got money in the bank, cars, um, they're going to uni, relationships, that just all goes. Um, and so they then yep, go out into what they call the work, um, mm. become a preacher, and they'll go out to a certain area for 12 months and they'll um, preach the gospel as they know it. And they don't have their own income, though, so they're solely relying on, you know, people from the group giving them money to get by. And obviously money might come from family members and, and they just live in members' homes throughout the year. Yep. Hmm. Is that a permanent position or is that something they do for a while and then... No, it's permanent, um, okay. although you will see people leave because they've had a nervous breakdown or whatever. That, yeah. that is quite a common mm. thing, yeah. Okay. Mm. Often the leaders of these kinds of groups are portrayed as uh, control freaks, being motivated by a desire for greed or control over other, over other people. What do you think motivated the leaders of your group? Um, I don't think it was greed. I think definitely control, but I c think I can honestly say that they are so convinced that they're right that then they feel they just have to have that control because, you know, they've got to control these people because otherwise they're going to hell. So, okay. yeah, it's a control thing, I guess. Yep. Yeah. How did people... Uh, now, uh, actually, no, we've sort of dealt with that question. Well, tell us some of the fundamental beliefs of this sect, about God, about what happens after this life, about the important things you need to do in this, during this life? Yeah, um, well, they, they do preach from the Bible. Um, I guess the problem is that um, they interpret some things a bit different, um, or a lot of things probably different. Um, and, you know, one of their true beliefs is that they're the only right way. So, um, you know, they believe that God is the creator, God is in control, that um, God is the father of Jesus. Um, one difference is that they probably put a lot more focus on Jesus being our example and that we're to follow him as 
an as him being the example rather than focusing on him and what he did on the cross. So that's probably, okay. yeah. And as yeah. far as um, afterlife, I mean, they believe in the judgment. They believe in um, heaven and hell. Um, but you won't know whether you've been good enough mm. until after you die and meet with God. Okay, so that's so probably, yeah, one of the major things I'd say. Does that yeah. mean a lot of people end up living with a lot of anxiety? Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of, yeah, a lot of depression, a lot of, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you've said there that there were quite uh, strict expectations of behaviour, mm -hmm. which I think to a lot of us would sound quite, quite strange and, and odd. Tell us about some of those. So I guess if you looked at me today, um, or any of those group members would look at me today, they would say, oh, look how worldly Jenny's become. Um, so no makeup, no jewellery, um, my hair you know, wouldn't be allowed to be coloured, cut. Um, you had to have long hair. It was allowed to be trimmed, but, yeah, like if you got a fringe that was considered, you know, you were slipping away, hmm. you were becoming more worldly. Um, no TV, no radio, um, no listening to music, um, couldn't go to the movies and dancing, things like that were just, yeah, far too worldly. Hmm. There could be some benefits in a little less television. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but so really quite, uh, gee, separated from a lot of the normal yeah. just yeah. things that we'd expect is mm. part of normal everyday life mm. for most families and people. Yeah, but you're so convinced that that's what you have to do that, you know, you, you think back now and you think, well, how come I didn't sort of see it? But you, you're just so convinced that you have to do those things that you just, yeah, try and fit in and go along with it. Where, did these, where do you think these particular rules came from? It seems a bit strange there'd be such, a, such an emphasis on the way you arrange your hair, the, uh, the, the particular type of clothes you wear. I think there's... Um, I, I guess because when it first kicked off, the way that people did dress back then, the way women did have their hair and things like that, I think it's like a tradition-type thing. But I think also, um, you know, like they focus on... Girls, you know, like um, I couldn't wear jeans or long pants or anything like that because that was considered men's clothing. Um, so there's different bits in the Bible that they interpret too in different ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Mm. Uh, and you said that this created some challenging situations. Uh, you mentioned the summer conference that you used to have each year. Yeah. So each year we went to what we called um, our annual convention. So it was always in, um, held in summer. It was on, um, there was about five of them throughout the state. So they were held on people's farms. There was about 500 people there over, and you stayed for over four days. And there was just a lot of old-fashioned tents set up. And it was, um, males stayed on one side of the grounds, females on the other. So there was no mixing at night or anything like that. Yep. So that was, you know, a bit of a challenge when you had young children and, you know, you could have had your husband there helping you get the kids to sleep. And obviously, oh, so the, the kids stayed with the mums? They did until probably... I think that's a very good decision. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen if the kids are with the dads. It's going to be bad. So when the, um, the, the boys would probably get to about five or six, yeah, they got kicked over to the, um, the men's side. Oh, okay. Right. Um, but yeah, one of the major things that was different about these sort of camps, like keeping in mind you're camping at summer, um, there was a real dress code. So even to go to breakfast in the morning, you had to, you know, wear 
you know, a particular dress. Like, men could not wear shorts on those grounds at all. Mm. Um, they had to wear long pants and, you know, couldn't wear singlet tops or anything like that. Um, us girls had to, you know, yeah, wear, we couldn't wear, a, you know, a dress like this showing my shoulders or anything like that. Yep. Um, and, you know, there was one morning I was helping set up for breakfast because you all had you know, your little jobs to do and I had my hair down. And I was actually pulled aside. I was probably about 16, 17. I was pulled aside and said, Jenny, you need to get your hair up. You know, mm. that's a bad example. Yep. Um, but then they had three meetings um, every day and you had to really dress up for those meetings. So men were in ties, um, women were in really good clothes, you know, stockings, mm. hair up, yep. whatever. I mean, it's just amazing to think anybody would have a summer conference in a tent, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Was, um, uh, was deodorant permitted at these yes. conferences? Yes. <laughs> and there, there were showers. Right, okay. okay. Uh, now, and also, so there were situ situations like that, but also being part of this group made it really quite difficult in terms of engaging with people from the normal outside world. Tell us about some of those difficulties. Yeah, look, a, a couple of things that come to mind. Um, obviously, you know, as a teenager, particularly at school, very hard um, because as a teenager, you just want to fit in. You don't want to be the odd kid. So, you know, there was a lot of things that, you know, I couldn't do um, and that I found that really, really hard. Um, another incident, like um, Hannah, she went to preschool, I was pulled aside at preschool one day and they said, um, you know, you need to let Hannah wear long pants. Um, you know, it's cold in winter and, um, you know, her climbing on the bars and that, it's just more practical. You know, things like that because you know that that's logic. But, you know, you're like, well, hang on, I, I can't do that because, you know, it's part of the rules and regulations. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, when we got married, Mark... Um, was told that by a really close family member, if, um, if you have a wedding band, um, we won't come to the wedding mm. um, because that was considered worldly for him to have a wedding band, you know. Yep. My wedding dress was only allowed to be a couple of inches below my knee. It couldn't be any longer because, you know, that was um, considered worldly. We could only have members at our wedding. We couldn't have any of my close friends from outside. And, yep. yeah, so it, it did create a lot of, you know... It was hard. It, it was hard at times, yeah. And you said you felt like... You've said you felt like you were living a double life. Oh, definitely. I mean, even at school, you know, like, um, I had... I probably owned one pair of jeans and I was allowed to put those jeans on when I rode the horse or when I helped in the dairy. But as soon as I walked back through that door, I was told, go and get out of those pants. Mm. Um, so that one pair of jeans, they often got snuck in my school bag. Um, so yeah. if we were going on school excursions or anything like that, yeah, I'd, I'd put them on. Or I'd put little bits of jewellery on at the bus stop, mm. um, things like that. And I mean, even with um, our friends, Mark and I did develop um, close friendships outside of the group, like once we're in our working life and whatever. And we, we did live a double life because we probably kept a lot of things hidden from them. Um, but then when we'd meet with a group on Sunday... You know, we were back to, you know, dressing how we were meant to dress and, mm. yeah, so, hmm. When you hear about people who've been part of groups like this, it always seems a mystery to me why everybody doesn't just leave. Mm. Why do people stay? Why doesn't everybody just... Yeah. This is too difficult. What, what are we doing this for? I think there's just such a big fear put into you. Um, right from, you know, like when you're born, you know, it's there in the home. Um, 
So there's just such a big fear that, you know, if you break away from this, you're going to hell. Um, so I, I really think, I mean, it sounds silly that, you know, you do think like that, but yeah, that's all you know. So yeah, it's just really drummed into you. And so what was your attitude towards God during this time? Look, I had a great respect for God, um, but I'd probably say that I didn't have a great love for him. Mm-hmm. And I was probably a bit scared of him. I was scared of, you know, um, his judgment. Yep. I guess, yeah. Yep. Now, as you look back at that feeling scared now, do you think you were right to feel scared or mistaken? Probably mistaken, although I still think we need to have a bit of a fear. We need, we need to understand how great God is and have a real respect. Yeah. Yep. yeah but, uh, so it seems to me, the, um, uh, it, it seems to me you had a, a fear of God, but perhaps for the wrong reasons. Yes, definitely. There was that, yeah, you know, like I've, um, I've got to be right with God, you know. I've got sin in my life. I've, um, but, you know, the rules and regulations aren't, you know. So are you saying there that's how you thought then or that's well, how I, you think now? No, back then I, I still knew that, um, well, I, I guess I was feeling I was sinning too because I couldn't keep all the rules and regulations. So, and I, I knew that, you know, God was the judge. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm. I suppose what I'm trying to tease out is, was this just a problem in your own mind that there was a problem between you and God? Or do you actually think there is a problem that needs to be dealt with between you and God? Back then, probably didn't see it as a problem just in my own life. Mm. Um, knew that I sinned and whatever. Um, whereas now, um, yeah, I, I, I know that there's, there's a huge problem, you know, with me. Like, I can't do it without um, God and Jesus, yeah. Okay. So... Uh, but it sounds like your your view of what the problem is has changed. There's, because yeah. back then you were scared because you had a lot of difficulty keeping these rules that the group was imposing. Mm. Mm. Uh, but what's your view of the problem now? The problem now is that, um, you know, we, we all sin and no matter what, and I've got a big problem with sin, I've got a burden of sin, so... I need that dealt with. It doesn't matter what rules and regulations I could keep. I could never, ever be good enough um, for God. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've got a personal problem that I need, yeah, to be and dealt do, with. Do you think it's a problem only you have or is it a broader problem? It's uh, everyone. I mean, no one could say that, yeah, they've got no sin in their life. So, yeah. Perhaps uh, using a word there, sin, what... what what do you mean by that word? Um, so to me, I don't know whether I'll explain it right, but to me it's just um, just not pleasing God and going against um, his will, um, just doing things, I guess, um, yeah, in my own way of thinking and not having him in control, yeah, him yeah. rule over my life. Okay. And so it seems to me back then you had a dilemma. Mm. Um, you knew that God was your judge. You knew that you needed to be perfect. Perhaps your idea of perfection then has, has changed, but, but you were fe- fearful of his judgment mm, and, and you weren't sure mm. how you could ever escape the mm. fear of that. Mm. All right, well, uh, tell us then. Um, eventually, the difficulties of being involved in the group 
started to become overwhelming. Tell us about some of the factors that led to you leaving. Okay, so um, Mark had left the group. He'd actually sort of said, look, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick of leaving a double life. And we had some like pretty serious marriage problems at the time as well. So a lot of things were happening. Um, and I... So he left the group and he didn't sort of have anything to do with any church for quite a while. And then he um, started to just read his Bible again and search out, you know, things. And he became in contact with EV here. Um, and he basically came home one day and said, look, you know, he was just so happy. He said, I've, I've found the true gospel of grace. And, you know, um, he was just overjoyed and... I just thought, well, what's he going on about? Because mm. um, I'm trying to keep, you know, to <laughs> the old way. Mm. Um, after a while, it just became, like our marriage was, you know, getting back on track again and whatever. Um, and after a while, I guess I just couldn't do it anymore. I just got to, the, you know, like my, you know, I had a bit of depression and everything was happening. I just couldn't live this double life anymore. Um, and I was probably living more of a double life than ever before. So... Mm. I come finally, after a lot of time, yeah, got the courage that, yeah, I wasn't going to go. Um, mm. That was hard because I still felt that maybe it's the right way, but yep. I, can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like you're feeling exhausted. And yeah. Yep. Yeah, basically. Mm. Meanwhile, Mark's going off to, you know, this wonderful new church and coming home all happy and, <laughs> mm, yeah. and I'm living in misery. <laughs> and I can imagine lots of people would think that following your experience, you'd want to walk away and have nothing to do with God or religion again, but God was still important to you. Why oh, was that? Definitely. And I mean, I think, you know, because we were brought up with um, a respect for God that obviously was still there. Um, and, you know, I believed he was the creator and everything. And I knew that, you know, there was more to life than just... Um, living and dying mm. um, and again you know I knew I, I had a huge problem with sin mm. so and, okay. and, and it was a burden yep. so you know what what was gonna what was gonna help me with that what was gonna deal with that you know I had no answers but I knew God was part of that yeah. well, well eventually you did hear a message about Jesus which reversed your fear of God tell us how that came about okay so over probably a couple of years I did come along um, with Mark to EV, and, I, and there were times I come quite regularly. Other times I'd drop off. And as I said, Mark was coming. The kids were coming quite regularly. They were all just loving it. Um, I did go to one life course initially, and I was certainly challenged with some of the things there. But I probably went just trying to please Mark and keep him quiet. Mm. Um, anyway, not too long probably after that, my dad passed away. And Dad, on his deathbed, said to my mum, I hope I've done enough. I hope I'm right with God. Um, that was just so sad. Um, my dad was someone who was the most dedicated member of this group. He was the kindest man. He, he did everything, you know, as far as looking right, doing what was right. Um, yeah, and, you know, for him to be lying there on his deathbed and saying... I hope I've done enough. I hope I'm right with God. That, that really hit me. Yeah. That was, yeah, massive. Mm. So then after that, um, another life course was advertised through EV and um, I remember saying to Craig, could I go again? <laughs> um, Craig told me I could go as many times as I want. Um, I just, 
couldn't wait for that to start and um, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been reading the Bible for I don't know how many years and um, it was just like finally I saw that um, Jesus died for me. Mm. Um, you know, it's, yeah, my sin can be covered. He died for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. How did that, how did understanding the purpose of Jesus' death uh, solve the problem of, sin that you were burdened with? Yeah, so I guess before I'd never, I'd only ever thought, you know, back in the old way, I was just like all these rules and regulations, whereas when I went to life, I just saw how big the problem of sin is, like how big it is, and that we we can't do anything to to be right with God, like, um, you know, that sin's so big, and Jesus going to the cross, you know, he, he went to the cross for my sin. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing physically, it doesn't matter how I dress or, or whatever, um, you know, that sin was covered by Jesus going to the cross. Yeah. yeah. So Which is a, just amazing. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's a real reversal in the way you seek, uh, uh, I guess, peace with God. Mm. The, the group you were part of sought to live by a strict code in order to obtain peace and of course never it sounds like never really obtain peace they they spend a lot of time feeling anxious Mm, mm. as opposed to recognizing what god has done Mm. to give us peace with him through jesus so you know the story of jesus going to the cross was was preached but um it was just part of the story you know it was never the main focus it was never Mm. and, and you were never sort of taught how big sin is like what a problem Sin is either. Yep. Yeah. It seems odd that you understanding how big a, a problem sin is would actually help you find more peace. Well, it's just a burden lifted when you know it can be dealt with. Yeah. 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 Uh, in a moment, we're going to have a chance for uh, questions of Jenny. So if you would like, if you have any question you would like to ask of her, uh, we're going to have a couple of people. Uh, roaming around with microphones, so uh, uh, um, so put your hand up if you'd like to put a question to her. Uh, Jenny's really excited about the opportunity to answer your questions. Uh, Thanks, and Jim. her husband, Mark, may help. Uh, but Jenny, this is, I, I think importantly, this is not a story about how you've been liberated from strict rules so you can now wear nice dresses and watch television. Uh, it's, it's a much more profound story than that. And it seems to me that trusting Jesus has... Uh, given you joy in place of fear, given you confidence in place of anxiety. Uh, you tell us a bit about the difference that trusting Jesus has made to you. Yeah, just getting back to when you said it's not just about, you know, being able to now watch TV and all that. Unfortunately, a lot of people that are still in the group, that's what they would think. Right. Oh, Jenny's, you know, she's given up the fight. And, um, yeah, now she, you know... She loves to watch TV and wear a jewellery and whatever. So that's what they'd be saying. Mm. Um, Yeah, but for me, it's like, um, it's just the freedom of of knowing that, um, you know, I'm a sinner. Um, I'm going to sin every day. And, but, you know, I've just got this wonderful relationship that, yeah, I know Jesus went to the cross um, for me. And so, Mm. you know, that burden's just lifted and, you know, there's that confidence there that the assurance of salvation. I mean, 
that's just something that was never, <laughs> never, ever there. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah. So the confidence about what your mm. destination is after this life. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yep. Uh, mm. Are there anybody who wants to ask a question? Is there anyone who would like to ask a question of Jenny? Yes, there's a question in the middle down the back here. The microphone will make its way towards you, weaving its way through. I might ask Mark to come up if that's okay, Tim. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mark, oh. come on up. We can welcome Mark too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm just curious to know whether um, some of your family members are still within the group and if they have contact with you. Yes, all our family members, um, both our parents are still in the group. Um, obviously, my father's passed on, um, but yeah, brothers and sisters. Um, that's been quite challenging for us. Um, they look at us that we're just going to a lost eternity. Um, we can't share any of that joy with them. We've tried to. Um, we're just often met with silence and we're often um, things get you know, said about, particularly me with my dress and so forth, that I've got a lot of disrespect for our family um, because I wear these things in front of them. You know, that, that's quite hard. Um, but, yeah, you've, you've just got to focus on the bigger picture. Um, you know, we feel so sorry for them, you know, like, we just want them to come to know. I don't know whether you've got anything to add to that. He's a man of well-chosen words. Is anybody else who would like to ask a question? Uh, yep, down the front here. Oh, go ahead, I'll repeat it. No, a lot of people would say it's very much like... So the, yeah. the question was, uh, it sounds like a particular group in Gosford, uh, was it that group? Yeah. <clears throat> You're talking about exclusive brethren? Yeah. No, it's not, not that group, but there's quite a few sim similarities um, and there's a number of, of groups around either Australia or the world that have similar sort of regulations and rules and probably differ in um, other ways. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when we first... So have they, have they uh, chased you up? Yeah. Have, have the leaders of the previous group chased you up? Um, yes, um, because we left quite a sort of a period apart, there was an uh, initial sort of chasing after me um, um, and sort of trying to support Jenny because she was the sort of the one, the one that was left. Um, but that didn't last that long. Um, it's almost like um, they just give up um, because I guess I, I pointed out things that I thought differently um, and they didn't really have too many um, answers. And so, similar with Jenny. We've got time for one last question in the middle here. Uh, we'll wait for the microphone to get... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, there's a question. I'm... I'm sorry, I don't want to be the last question, but uh, Mark, Jenny, I mean, it's been uh, thrilling to hear you guys talk, so I uh, just want to say how wonderful it is. But um, can you tell us, it, it wasn't just you coming up with your own opinions on things that were different. Uh, 
you, you actually went back to the Bible. Is that a, is that a right estimation? You, you kind of thought back through the Bible to see what it was actually saying? Yeah. Um, in the group, we were, we were basically given an interpretation of the Bible, which we couldn't question. Um, the leaders weren't open to questions. Um, so we accepted that as part of the system um, and thought that's how it was. Um, however, through the circumstances of me, uh, I guess, leaving the group and then wanting to investigate things um, further, I started to look at the Bible um, and look at really what it was saying because there was other people, the internet's um, a great thing and it was sort of coming into its own when I left. So there was a lot of people out there going through the same thing. Um, and so hearing those things and digging into the Bible myself, um, it, it was a whole, I could see it was a whole different, um, a whole different um, story to what we'd been given. Um, so it was really through investigation of that and, and reading the Bible um, that I became a Christian um, and then found um, EV um, and then was obviously then trying to convince Jenny of the same things but that just didn't work as quickly as I hoped it would. <laughs> uh, we'll have uh, one last question uh, down in the middle here. Hi, um, you mentioned living a double life when you were with the group. You felt like you were living a double life. How do you cope with kind of living a double life now with your family? Yeah, um, look, to start with, when um, I stopped going to the group, when I would still go up to my parents' place, much to my husband's disgust, in the car the jewellery would come off the makeup would come off. Um, and then after Dad died, it was like, and obviously, you know, I went to life and all that, I actually got a lot more strength. And I actually sat down with my mum and I said, um, you know, mum, you're welcome to come to our house anytime, but you have to understand um, I'm a different person. I don't want to live, like, one way in front of you and one way in front of my children and my husband. Um, you know, I do wear makeup. I, I will wear my jewellery in front of you and I will wear my pants. She did say, can you not wear jeans in my house? Um, but, yeah, it, so now I don't have a problem with it. it. That's taken many, many years and it's taken a lot of counselling and a prayer and a lot of encouragement from others and help, yeah, from others. We're going to have to leave it there, but uh, can you thank Jenny and Mark as well for sharing their story with us?